This is D23 Inside Disney. We are going to take you through some of the best Disney stories of the week, get you an inside look at the people behind the magic of Disney. I'm Candace from Radio Disney. I'm Sherry from Oh My Disney. And I'm Jeffrey from D23. And we're the hosts that will take you inside Disney. It's just me and you today, Sherry. I know. It we feels just, so weird. It's so different without Jeffrey. He is mm-hmm. on his cruise that he's been talking about for since we started this podcast. Basically. <laughs> <laughs> so Jeffrey is not here for this portion of the show, but we have so much news to talk about. And we're very excited about our guest today. Yes, we got to talk to the voice behind Mickey Mouse, Brett Iwan. So excited about that. Me too. That is coming up. Disney Plus. It's, it's finally a huge out. Week. I can't believe it's finally out. We've been talking about it this just like Jeffrey's been talking about his cruise. Yeah, totally. What <laughs> have been your faves so far? So the very first thing that I started streaming was Disney Channel original movie, Gotta Kick It Up. Okay. I don't think I've seen that one. <laughs> it's definitely a deep cut, but it has America Ferrera in it. Okay, it's solid. All about dance. It is really a classic. Okay. I'm gonna put that in my what do they call it on Disney? Watch list. Watch list. Yeah. Okay. What are you watching? The first thing I watched was The World According to Jeff Goldblum. Oh, that's because yes. I know the guy who was featured at the end of the first episode. I don't no want to give any spoilers, but it's all about sneakers. So shout out to Jacques. Wow. That cool. was my first play. The second thing I watched was The Imagineering Story, which was Ooh. so incredible. I can't wait to watch that. Watch it tonight. Done. Put it to the top of your watch list. Okay. I'll finish God Kick It Up later. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. All right. Well, Disney Plus, we got to tell you something new that is coming. It's a game show, which is going to be very interesting because you don't typically think to go to a streaming service for a game show, but you can now. And this one's called The Big Fib. And it's hosted by Yvette Nicole Brown, who we know from the podcast recently. Love her. And it's also based on a podcast called Pants on Fire. So picture this. It's a half hour show where two grown-ups claim to be experts in a topic. So one of them is obviously going to be lying. Then it's going to be up to the kid contestant to determine who's telling the big fib. So I like this. Should we try it out, Sherry? Yes. Okay. I'm okay. ready. Is this a fib or a truth? Kay. I once rode the teacups nine times in a row. You know, that seems very you. So I'm going to say true. It's actually a big fib. No way. <laughs> I would like to. I would like to. But very excited about this. Of course, Yvette Nicole Brown. She's also starring in Disney Plus's Lady and the Tramp. And her co-host is Reese Darby. And apparently there are going to be 30 episodes of the show. So lots of facts. Wow. Lots of fibs. And it's going to be a good show. I'm excited about it. Ooh, I can't wait. I feel like I'm very gullible. So I think I will, as a viewer, be very bad at this show. Okay. <laughs> Curious to see how the kids do. Something else I've been watching on Disney Plus. Well, there's only one episode as of now, but High School Musical, the musical, the series. Yes. I was like, is she going to join me? You got it. Well, the soundtrack is coming, which I love. Obviously, I'm sure we're going to be playing some of this music on Radio Disney, but you can get it January 10th, and there's going to be over 40 pieces of music and content, and sort of the rollout for this is pretty crazy. So every Wednesday, Walt Disney Records is going to release a new single and a lyric video, so this is going to go down on Disney Music Vivo and all the classic songs are going to be there with a twist like we're all in this together mm-hmm. start of something new I'm trying to think of what my other favorite one is what I've been looking for they're going to do that one as oh, well I love that one so good plus there's new songs coming to the soundtrack and some of the cast members actually wrote the music Olivia Rodrigo I know she wrote a few songs no way yeah so Just a Moment is one of the songs and there's another one called All I Want so get ready for the second episode of High School Musical the musical this series on Disney Plus this Friday. How exciting. I cannot wait to sing along and dance along. 
streaming. Yay. Speaking of streaming, Hulu is going to be the official streaming home of FX Networks beginning in March. So a lot more to come there. You can watch American Horror Story, Atlanta, Pose. FX is going to be producing exclusive shows just for Hulu starting next year, including Mrs. America, The Old Man, A Teacher, and Devs. Ooh. So, Sherry, I don't know if you watched this, but on ABC, they did this live in front of a studio audience special. It was an episode of All in the Family and an episode of The Jeffersons. It ended up winning an Emmy for Outstanding Variety Special. Well, they're doing another one, and this one's going to feature All in the Family and Good Times. So, we don't know a lot about the Good Times episode just yet, but the All in the Family episode is going to be holiday themed. Oh my so gosh. there you go. You're speaking my language. I know. <laughs> but I'm looking forward to that. Uh, we don't know who's going to be in the show just yet, but I'm sure they're going to announce that very soon. But you can check it out on ABC December 18th. Wow. Will I ever leave my couch this year? I don't think so. <laughs> I don't think so. And you won't leave it coming up in December. We got to talk about three holiday specials that are coming to ABC and Disney Channel. So the first one is going to happen on Thanksgiving night. This is the wonderful world of Disney magical holiday celebration and Matthew Morrison and Emma Button are actually going to host this one so they kind of go coast to coast they're at Walt Disney World they're at Disneyland and let me just tell you some of the performers for this so Sting and Shaggy are going to perform what I'm looking forward to it's a reggae version of Silent Night I think they're probably going to do another song but Pentatonix are performing Ali Brooke who we've been watching on Dancing with the Stars Portugal the Man Ingrid Michaelson and Andy Grammer like all these radio Disney artists are going to be performing so look forward to that that one. Here's the other one, Sherry. I'm just filling up your holiday calendar. I know. (laughs) This is incredible. I'll be belly full of turkey watching all of this. (laughs) There you go. All right. So Friday, December 13th, Disney Channel's holiday party at Walt Disney World is going to happen. This is on Disney Channel and the Disney Now app. And the hosts of this one are two of my favorites from Zombies 2, which is coming out next year, Meg Donnelly and Milo Mannheim. So here's the performers for this one. Isaac Ryan Brown and Ruby Rose Turner. Meg Donnelly, she's actually going to perform herself. Kylie Cantrell will be taking the stage and so many more and what's really cool is they're going to give you a behind the scenes look at the attraction Mickey and Minnie's Runaway Railway which is opening at Disney's Hollywood Studios in spring of next year plus we're going to get an exclusive look at the original Disney Channel movie Zombies 2 which I love that series Meg and Milo are so good together so excited to get a little preview of that Um, and are you ready for the last holiday special I'm sad it's the last one but I am excited for it yes It happens on Christmas Day, which I always just love this to sit around and eat and hang out with the family. It's going to air 10 a.m. to noon on ABC and the ABC app. This is Disney Parks Magical Christmas Day Parade. So Matthew Morrison and Emma Button are going to host this one as well, but they're going to have co-hosts this time. So Marseille Martin from ABC's Blackish, she'll be there for it. And J.D. McCreary, who voiced young Simba in the live action The Lion King, they're going to help out. So this is the big parade down Main Street, all the like heartwarming Christmas stuff you want, celebrity performances, and as a bonus, the cast of High School Musical, the musical, the series, they're going to be performing and you'll get a sneak peek at Avengers Campus. Wow, that is jam Hacked. I can't Happy wait. Happy holidays, guys. I, I know. What an early holiday <laughs> treat. Get a new TV. <laughs> Let's shift our focus over to Pixar. We just got a brand new look at the movie Soul with a new teaser trailer and a poster and more. Did you see the trailer? It I looks did. so great. So, in true Pixar fashion, this is not just a regular movie that only talks about surface level stuff. Right. <laughs> They're asking, what would you want to be known for on Earth? 
And what do you want to be remembered for? I mean, this is deep. This is coming from the mind of Pete Docter, who we know directed Inside Out. The story is about Joe Gardner, who's voiced by Jamie Foxx. He's a middle school teacher who moonlights as a jazz musician, gets the gig of a lifetime, and then he has an accident that sends his soul to the pearly gates. Whoa. There, he attends the You Seminar, which is this workshop that creates souls and gives them personalities before sending them off to human bodies. So I think this story is about him trying to get back to his human body. And okay. I'm sure discovering some deep meaning along the way. I'm going to cry. I, I know. can tell I'm just gonna... by you even reading. Yeah. I'm not even looking at the trailer or the artwork, but I know I'm going to cry. It's going to be great. It's going to be a Pixar <sighs> masterpiece. We also have Tina Fey, David Diggs, Questlove, and Felicia Rashad providing more voices in the film. Can't wait. It comes out June 19th next year. That's such a good cast. And so I musical, know. too. I know. Jamie Foxx, what's up? Then over at our other animation studio, Walt Disney Animation debuted a new Frozen 2-inspired VR short. It's called Myth of Frozen Tale. So debuted at the Frozen 2 premiere, it's set in a forest just outside of Arendelle, and a family is sitting down for a bedtime story, and then before you know it, you as the audience are transported to a mystical forest. This sounds just so innovative, so Disney. So Disney. They yeah. were doing this at the after party for the Frozen 2 premiere. Yeah. And the line was so long. And I was like, do I get a hot dog? Do I do the VR thing? <laughs> so I'm looking forward to doing this when we all can do it. I can't wait for the screenings to be announced. It's the first ever Disney animation VR short inspired by one of its feature films. So it's a huge deal for wow. our company. Totally. Yeah. Another cool thing about Myth is the chairs that you get to sit in to experience this. So the chairs rotate 360 degrees horizontally and go backwards and go forward. So you really feel like you're fully immersed in this. So even if you're not watching it in the chair, you can still watch people in the chair, which is kind of interesting. It's good people watching. That's its own experience. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Over at Walt Disney World, there's a brand new exhibit, the Gallery of Arts and History in the Morocco Pavilion at Epcot, just reopened with a brand new exhibit. It is called Race Against the Sun, Ancient Technique to Modern Competition. Inside this experience, you get to learn all about two insane marathons. One of them is called Marathon of the Sands, and you can check out all the race gear and trophies from the Moroccan competitors. The other is called the Rally of the Gazelles, and this is an off-road, all-women desert rally with an interactive photo opportunity. I'm there for it. Yeah. So both of these races take place in the Sahara Desert, so you get to find out just how these athletes did it in the desert. I mean, I can't imagine those conditions. I can't. And I remember from the Food and Wine Festival how good the food in Morocco was. Oh, and there is more food coming for this. Okay. So here you can check out Salou, which is balls of almond and sesame seeds that participants would commonly eat during their races to give them an energy boost. I was just thinking, like, how are they fueling for this? Because they probably weren't eating what I was eating in the Morocco (laughs) Pavilion there. (laughs) But now we know. Okay. I know. Yeah. So much good news this week, Sherry. Mm -hmm. So much to see and do. Well, before Jeffrey went off to see and do all the things in Cabo and on the cruise, we had an amazing interview. So let's hear it now. Well, we are so excited to have with us today, in honor of Mickey Mouse's birthday, the one, the only, the voice of Mickey Mouse, Brett Iwin. Oh, boy. Hello, everybody. (laughs) Or should I say, hello, everybody. Oh, Oh, my God. That's so crazy. I was wondering if we were going to have to ask you to do it first or if you were just going to throw it down. So I, You know, 10 years in now, I've gotten used to people expecting it. But admittedly, for the longest time, I'd be like, hi, nice to meet you. Oh, this is where he does the voice of Mickey Mouse. And they'd stand there staring. Waiting. I'm like, what is their problem? Like, what? Oh, they want to hear it. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah. Not someone interested in just hearing this voice. They want to hear Mickey's voice. Yeah. So. Probably one of the most, if not the most, iconic voices you could possibly do. Tell us what Mickey Mouse meant to you growing up. Uh, that is... I don't think this podcast is long enough. Um, <laughs> so I have been a Disney fan my entire life. I can't remember a time when Mickey was not a part of it. I grew up watching all the classic cartoons. I loved going to Disneyland. I grew up, you know, 30 minutes away in Pasadena. Uh, 30 minutes. <laughs> that's, yeah. <laughs> that's, that's ambitious. Yeah, exactly. Um, 30 miles away from Disneyland. And we went once a year. And so to me, going to the parks was like my escape. It was my happy place. And Mickey was a huge part of that. I always wanted to be an artist. I had goals of being a Disney animator, and I learned to draw by drawing Mickey. So Mickey was just always a part of my life. And he represented optimism. He represented adventure. He represented dreaming and imagination. And he represented Walt. And, and you know, my friends always said, oh, you're a huge Disney nerd. You're a Disney fan. And I was like, I am. I won't deny that. But my love of Disney really stemmed from my appreciation and my love of Walt himself and his story. So... To me, Walt and Mickey always kind of went hand in hand. Yeah. So you grew up in Southern California, went to Disneyland a lot. Do you have any favorite Disneyland memories or like attractions you can ride a million times? Oh, gosh. I mean, I remember when Indiana Jones opened up, uh, you know, and the lines were two and a half hours long and they mm-hmm. passed out the little uh, decoder cards where you could decipher all the hieroglyphs Ooh. in the line. And I had that memorized at a certain point and I would make my own maps when I got home using that same font, I guess. I remember that vividly. I remember the first time I ever saw Fantasmic and the towers rose out of the ground and the music was coming out of the rocks and and back then they didn't have like a real seating area for you so everyone was like sitting in the flower beds climbing over fences (laughs) it was crazy but it was so cool and then of course the classics I always loved pirates I always loved Haunted Mansion I can remember when Splash Mountain was being built I have a great memory of my dad and I walking and there was like a little hole in the fence you could kind of peek through and he's like that's gonna he explained it to me like what it was gonna be and I could see the log at the top where the drop is and a ton of great memories I can go on and on when hear about when I wanted a Darth Vader mask and I, I got mean, it. Yeah, sure. I, you know, I, I was like dying to have a Darth Vader mask and I bugged my parents for it all day long and I was never this kid that was like a brat about things like that but I insisted on it and by the end of the day they finally bought me my Darth Vader mask and I can remember having it in the bag and riding, Aww. getting on the, t- the Tomorrowland train station and riding the train to Main Street so we could go home it was killing me that I couldn't take it out. They're like, no, leave it in the bag. You're not taking it out. I just wanted, I wanted to play with that so bad. Yeah, I have so many memories of Disneyland. That's I love it. I love wow. it. Do you have memories of your audition for Mickey? I'm really, we're really curious because obviously you had to be able to do a good Mickey Mouse voice to land this role. But you would we, hope. We would hope. Yeah. Were there other things they had you do in the audition? Was it just Mickey, or what did they have you read? I'm just really curious what it's like to audition. That's a great question. So the initial audition was all over the phone, oddly enough, um, which is not typical for a voiceover audition. But they had sent out an internal email to the Walt Disney Company and Pixar. And with that, they had outlined the audition process, which included voice matching a sample mp3 that they provided and they had the copy as well in the email so then you were instructed to call this number leave your message essentially like your name your number and do your audition i not having been a voice actor previously didn't know that that wasn't normal um (laughs) part of the normal process i mean anymore you you have an agent and you submit and they whittle down their top candidates and submit it to whoever's auditioning but that's how they decided to do this because, from my understanding, they had done the typical route, weren't really satisfied with the results, and so Rick Dempsey, the senior vice president of Disney Character Voices, said, you know what, 
The voice of Mickey has just come up through the company, typically. There was Walt. He handed it off to Jimmy McDonald. Jimmy McDonald was a sound effects genius at the studio. And then Wayne Allwine got it after Jimmy. And when Wayne was Jimmy's apprentice and worked in the sound effects department with him. So it was just kind of this like lineage that came up to the company. And they said, let's see if somebody here can do it. So that's why the internal email. Now, I wasn't at Disney. I was working at Hallmark Cards in Kansas City. <laughs> but my friend at Pixar knew that I did the voice because all through high school and college, I would do it just to make my friends laugh. Wow. And literally all I would say is, oh, boy. Like, wow. And that's all I knew I could say at that point. So she's like, you got to do this. And I was like, yeah, I do. So I called. <laughs> I submitted my phone audition, which I'm sure was like a mile a minute. And I don't know what they heard on it that even wanted to call me back. But they did. They explained that they were doing callback auditions. So I flew myself out to L.A., went into the booth for the very first time. I remember stepping in and the sound effects engineer, Randy Coppinger, said, would you like the cans or you want the monitor? I had no clue what he was talking about back then. I was like, uh, I said, whatever you think is best. And he's like, I think you'll like the cans. I was like, yeah, I love the cans. (laughs) Turns out cans are headphones, as you probably know. So um, turns out, yeah, I still stick with the cans. I like the cans. But uh, that was my first time in a sound booth. And the audition at that point was they provided a stack of copy that I'd never seen. So it was cold reads to see could I handle and could I voice Mickey on the fly. Because they gave you that info for the audition and you had as much time as you wanted to rehearse for it. This time it was on the fly. One, could I sustain the voice? Was I able to actually do it or did I fake it on the phone? And then two, could I actually act with the voice? Three, was I able to take direction? Because so much of the voice acting process is working with the team behind it. And you know, you have show directors, you have vocal directors and a whole team of people usually. So that was it. It was just going through the copy and then like a typical session, they'd give me feedback and say, okay, try it this way, do this. And you know, it was a 45 minute audition. To me, it felt like 30 seconds. Wow. I remember leaving and being like, oh, I don't know how I did. We had a little bit of conversation afterwards, which I could tell they were just trying to get to know me a little bit better and my awareness of Disney. And so I was happy to share my fandom. I remember specifically sharing with them that my dog was named Lily Bell uh-huh. um, because I thought that was, you know, like, this is how nerdy I am. Yeah. I named my dog after <laughs> Walt Disney's train. Um, yeah. So uh, I even wore a Mickey Mouse t-shirt underneath my like nice button down. Aww. I didn't tell them that, but in my mind, I was like, I got Mickey with me. So... That was it. That was the audition. And then after that, it was just a waiting game. It was explained to me at the time that, you know, this audition was for an understudy position. And sometimes uh, we forget to share that part of the story, but they were auditioning because Wayne Allwine, who was the official voice and had been for 32 years, was having some difficulties. So they thought, well, now's a good time for him to start mentoring somebody. So I was auditioning to be his, his mentee, his understudy. Unfortunately, he didn't recover from some health complications during that audition process. So he passed away after I had done my callback audition. And after a little bit of time, because the Disney character voice family is a very tight family. And it's, it's cliche to say that, but it's true. We work together all the time. You know, there's two creative directors that we are in sessions with a majority of the time. And then, you know, they're very, very particular on keeping one voice for every character. So, you know, I see Bill Farmer all the time. Uh, we worked with Rusi all the time, Tony Anselmo. So they were grieving the loss of a family member. And it took some time, but Mickey had to keep working. And so at that point, they gave me a call and said, I'm sure you've heard the news. We need to move forward. And so we'd like to start trying you out, is how they worded it. So I was being flown from Kansas City out to LA about once every two weeks. Great commute. 
<laughs> um, yeah, I was just kind of thrown into it. My first project was a thing for Animal Kingdom, a little cavalcade there. And then I started on Disney on Ice. Before I knew it, I was just kind of rolling with the punches. I'm probably elaborating too much on your simple question. But it was the second day of my first trip out here is when they officially offered it to me. So it wasn't a trial for very long. That's crazy. What was the first time you heard your voice coming from Mickey? Do you remember that moment? So I remember YouTubing the Disney on Ice show that I'd done because <laughs> it came out fairly quickly after I recorded it. So I was able to listen on that. And then I do remember the first toy that came out shortly after that was a toy available in Target. So I went and bought that, like squeeze his tummy and wow. talk. So yeah, it was weird because Just do it like 20 times. Like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh boy, oh yeah. boy. Yeah. <laughs> um, I would, I would. Uh, it, sure. it, well, it was weird to me at first because there was a weird adjustment phase where Mickey to me, I just heard me. So I'm like, oh, Mickey sounds like me now. Yeah. Like, you know, I was kind of missing Mickey. Ten years later, those definitive critiques start to whittle away a little bit. And so now I can go to the park and I can hear a parade and I can appreciate it of just being Mickey. I don't think about my involvement. Although I still, to this day, anything I listen to that I've worked on, I can tell you how I was feeling that day, health-wise, emotionally. Like, I was like, oh, yeah, the weather was bad that day or, you know, whatever. So... <laughs> All that stuff sticks with me. I bet you get this a lot, kids asking you to do the voice. What is it like for you, for kids, when you do Mickey's voice? Honestly, it's more adults who ask me. <laughs> really? Yes. Adults all the time will be like, talk to my kid. <laughs> and I always say, I'm like, I'm happy to do that, but realize that your child is about to see a six-foot bald man sound like Mickey, <laughs> and it might be a little confusing. So I do what I can to preserve the magic and try to be respectful of that. A lot of times parents will like hold up their phone and they want to video me or want me to FaceTime with a kid. And I go, you know what? Tell you what, why don't we record a message? And then that way your kid can listen to it over and over and over again. Because I guarantee you they're going to want to relive that moment. Yeah. And it helps preserve the magic because then Mickey's just calling them. They're not, again, looking at me. But when people ask, I'm happy to do it. Because if they're asking, then they are aware that there's somebody behind the voice and it just means that they love that character so much and the brand so much that they just want to take a peek behind the scenes. And I think all of us as Disney fans, seeing how things are done is part of the magic. It's worth acknowledging. So I'm happy to do it. And it's always amazing to see how affected people are by it. I had a recent interaction where somebody asked me, they said, Steamboat Willie is my favorite Mickey cartoon. I was like, that's a great place to start, actually. And she's like, can you whistle? And I was like... <laughs> Sure. <laughs> so I whistled the Steamboat Willie tune and she started crying. She's like, oh my gosh, it's magical. And I was like, you realize you could have asked anyone to whistle that? Because that wasn't me. That wasn't me. Um, Not everyone can whistle that. That's yeah, a specific Well, skill. she was clearly moved by it. And that's the best part of the gig is just realizing that I get to share in the joy that Mickey brings to so many people. Outside of Oh Boy and Hiya Pal, <laughs> are there other things that you're asked to say a lot? Like favorite Mickey phrases? Oh, some imagination, huh? Oh, um, fantastic. What else? A lot of people are, lately have been asking me for uh, Kingdom Hearts phrases. Oh. Oh. your heart be your guiding key. Wow. That, that really moves people. Wow. I'm not aware of the Kingdom Hearts franchise as much as people would hope I am. <laughs> because of the recording process, we don't really get to know it that well, but people seem to like that phrase. I'm always asked to sing the hot dog song. Oh my, gosh, my first, into that one. My first response is always, Mickey doesn't sing the hot dog song. <laughs> Mickey dances to the hot dog song. Yeah. Do you think that stops them from asking? No. Right. <laughs> hot dog, hot dog, hot diggity dog. Oh, we got ears, it's time for cheers. 
Oh my god! Oh, I feel so like I'm cool. gonna cry. A lot of voicemails. <laughs> do people ask you to do their voicemails? A lot of people ask me to do voicemails, um, which is cool when it comes to celebrities. A lot of celebrities will ask for their voicemails, and it's like that's my end to to meet them. Yeah. The coolest one to ask was Neil Patrick Harris. Uh, we were working on uh, the 60th anniversary of Disneyland's World of Color show. And he came into my green room, and he's like, I don't know if it's okay to ask, but, like, would you mind doing my voicemail? And he handed me his phone with his Haunted Mansion case on it. And, you know, we all know he's a huge Disney fan. So I was like, sure, no problem. I recorded it, and he, like, skipped out of the room. He was so happy. He's like, that's amazing! So um, that's cool. What a great story. That I've is a great story. Lost track of the other people. I know I did Wilmer Valderrama's voicemail. Yeah, you told a great story about seeing Fantasmic at Disneyland with your brother. Can you kind of share that moment with us? Yeah, so that was about two, maybe two and a half years ago when Fantasmic got its reboot, so Fantasmic 2.0. They had scheduled me to record, and all they said is, we need you to come in to record Fantasmic. And I had assumed that it was something for Shanghai or Tokyo. I'd done Tokyo's Fantasmic before, and then it was decided that they were just going to have the Japanese Mickey do it. So a lot of times we'll do stuff for other parks and as reference for the then uh, domestic voices to do it. I didn't think anything of it. And then I walked in, and I looked at the script, and I was like, wait a second, this is Disneyland. Because I know that show, backwards and forwards. I learned to do Mickey's voice by listening to the Fantasmic soundtrack because, like I mentioned, one of my best memories of Disneyland is the first time I saw that show. On one particular trip, my dad had taken my brothers and I on his own without my mom, and so as the single parent for the day, he was exhausted and yeah. just was like needed to get home. And I was like, I don't want to watch Fantasmic. Like, to me, I had to be there at Rope Drop and stay till midnight. Nice. There was no better sleep as a kid than a long day at Disneyland. And then you like pass out in the car and wake up and your dad's carrying you to the bed and you're like, oh, what happened? Yeah. Mag- yeah. Magical. But on that trip, he didn't, we had to leave, but we were passing Mickey's Star Traders and he saw the soundtrack on a display and he goes, you know what? I'll tell you what, I'll buy that soundtrack. We'll get home and you can listen to it there. Begrudgingly, I was like, fine. We get home, I listen to it. It wasn't the same. I was like, there's no fireworks there's no I can't feel the bass in my chest you know but I started listening to that all the time and I realized at a certain point telling my story I would always be like I wasn't that kid who did voices I never really like you know Bill Farmer always talked about watching cartoons and impersonating the characters and I was like I didn't do that then I realized I did but it was always phantasmic I would play phantasmic I would be all the characters even down to shining the flashlight under my chin and looking into the reflection of my Aladdin poster that hung over my bed and do the magic mirror, you know. And that's when I discovered that my Mickey voice kind of sounded like Mickey. So later on, I got a little bit older and my brother started playing Fantasmic with me and we took it into the yard and we used garden hoses and sprayed them all over the place and (laughs) borrowed my dad's work projector and projected Fantasia, Sorcerer's Apprentice, up into this like tree and water screen that we created and lit off fireworks. And we just had a lot of fun doing it. So anyway, I get into this recording session. I find out it is, in fact, Disneyland. And I was a little bit taken aback. And I said, is this necessary? Like, are we doing enough stuff to warrant replacing it? Because I loved that that was Wayne, because I think that was one of his best performances. And people love it. So I didn't want to be the guy responsible for messing that up. They explained to me that it was necessary. There was enough things being added. I'm not going to say no. So yeah. we worked on it. When it came to some imagination, huh, they said, you know, we're going to have you record it, but there's a chance we might leave Wayne in it just as like an homage, which I thought was beautiful. I would have mm-hmm. loved that. So record it, forget it. Months go by. It finally premieres. My brother and I 
were at the park that night. There was like a big event for the premiere with uh, D23 members, the D23 Expo happening at the time. But we were just doing our own thing and we just happened to walk by and I was like, oh, it's about to start, so why don't we just kind of watch it? So we stopped by uh, the Mark Twain queue there and, and watched it from the sidelines and it starts and I, I heard my voice and I was like, that's pretty cool. <laughs> Fantastic, that's weird. And we watched the whole show and it gets to the end and they did use my some imagination, huh, at the wow. end. And it was one of those goosebump full circle moments where you're standing there but doesn't feel like you're, it's out of body like I there's so much reflecting going on I was just like how is this possible how is this my life that something that was so important and informative to me as a child is now I'm, I, I just couldn't believe it it was yeah. so weird and my brother who had quote unquote played Fantasmic with me was standing by my side and I get a little choked up saying, and I, I've been able to tell this story for a while without getting choked up. Now I'm getting choked up. But um, he put my, his hand on my shoulder and he said, did you ever think when we were kids playing Fantasmic in the Yard that someday your voice would be a part of this show playing over those speakers for all of these people to enjoy? And I lost it. Wow. I was just like, oh. <laughs> and I, I just like, <laughs> typical me with emotion, I just kind of ran away from him. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and then we ran into my mom who was also there and she's like, what's going on? I was like, it's just so weird. And then we had this like great family moment where, um, you know, we just kind of reflected on it. So that was an extremely powerful moment for me. And I've had a lot of great career experiences in the past 10 years, but that for whatever reason just really struck a chord because I'm a big believer in who we are is shaped by our childhood. And I want nothing more than to encourage people's imagination and creativity and their dreams because that's how I ended up where I am at. That was just a real full circle moment. Wow. Oh, I love that I story. I can't imagine. I'm tearing up. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Tissues, please. Oh. You're also an artist. You mentioned earlier, and you yeah. worked at Hallmark. And at D23 Expo, I bought one of the prints that you made of Mickey Mouse for Cyclops, which is fantastic. Can you talk about how you got into that and, and yeah. what else you do? Yeah, I'm one of those crazy people who can't sit still. I like to be busy, specifically creatively. And so my love of art, much like my love of Mickey, has existed from the get-go. I don't remember a time when I wasn't drawing or creating. And so I went to art school, got a degree in illustration, and then I started at Hallmark Greeting Cards, and I was an illustrator and designer there, and loved it. I got to work on everything from greeting cards to keepsake ornaments to Disney licensing and other licensed product. And then I got the Mickey job, and I was focusing on voice acting for the first few years, but I was missing that artistic element. And so I kind of went back into it freelance-wise. Uh, I was picking up a few clients here and there. Then the opportunity came to be a Disney fine artist. And I thought, well, this is perfect to combine my two loves. And so I started painting some Mickey pieces back then. Took a little break from it. And then recently I decided, why am I not doing this? So I got back into it, but this time decided to really pursue the style that I love the most, which is silkscreen poster art. And so the piece you're referring to at the expo was a piece combining my love of Disney, silkscreen posters, and national parks, which I'm a big fan of. I love the outdoors, and specifically the old WPA posters that were made for the park system. I started doing a little homage to them with a hint of Mickey, a hint of Disney in all of them. So I released a Yosemite piece. I'm actually just today finishing up my Sequoia National Park piece, and then there's a few others in the line. Art's always been a part of my story, and I love creating. And from I do 2D art. I, I've gone into woodworking. I do home design and antique restoration. 
Are there other characters that you draw in addition to Mickey? Sure. I mean, <laughs> I, I've been asked to draw several characters. Mickey's still my go-to. Like, if I was to pick up a pen right now just to doodle on this paper, it would Here inevitably be three circles. <laughs> what you got? Three circles, you know, that turned into Mickey. And there's something therapeutic about it, actually. We can hear your pen going. I but know. like, this is magical. I wish people could see this. I know. <laughs> I, uh, sorry, I was saying, I got the pleasure of meeting uh, Walt Disney's granddaughter, Joanna, and we had dinner together and we're talking and, and somebody brought up the fact that I was an artist and she's like, oh, tell me about that. And I was like, I just sit down and whenever I'm doodling, it always is, is Mickey. And she says, that's awesome. That's how grandpa was. She's like, if he was in front of a piece of paper, inevitably Mickey Mouse would end up on it. Wow. So yeah, I, he's my go-to. But if you ask me to draw someone else, I would try. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> With reference, I could. Mickey's the one that I like. I'm pretty confident and got down. But. Yeah, you did that in like less than 10 seconds. That was amazing. <laughs> amazing. All while talking. Well, we ask all of our guests on the show their favorite Disney memory. You've mentioned quite a few already in the interview, but any others that stand out to you? Oh, my favorite Disney memory. Fantasmic has to be probably the top. Meeting um, Diane Disney was pretty cool. Wow. I was visiting the Walt Disney Family Museum in San Francisco, and I was exiting, and she and Ron just happened to be there. And I was introduced to her. She was delightful and so pleasant, as so many people would attest to, but she... She made me feel like she was so interested in me. She held my hand the entire time we talked, and she wanted to know all about me. And I couldn't help but sit there and think, like, you're Walt Disney's daughter. Why do you care about me? (laughs) I was flabbergasted with the whole experience, and sadly... I was the one that had to go. Like, I was catching a car to the airport, and I had to be the one to end the conversation, which is not what I imagined, you know, doing if I was to ever meet her. But I was like, I'm so sorry, but I have to go. (laughs) She would have talked to me forever. That's a great one. Uh, If I was to go back in time even further, my family is very important to me, as it's probably been obvious with some of my stories. Again, Disneyland. I have three younger brothers, so I've been a part of a big family as far as I can remember. But I do have a few memories before all the brothers started tagging along. And one was a trip to Disneyland with my dad, and it was just he and I. It's really stupid and cheesy, but we were going into Country Bear Jamboree. And the queue that still exists for the Winnie the Pooh adventure, you know, is under that little covered bridge. And there's a, a stanchions in the middle blocking it. And we were holding hands. And I ended up on one side and he ended up on the other. And as a kid, I just thought it was like the funniest thing. I don't know why. I don't know why. But that has stuck with me. And I just remember it was like just such a, such a cool father-son day. Like I said, super cheesy. But Aww, it was at Disneyland. So cute. It was so nice talking to you. Yeah, you guys too. Thank you. Are we done already? I have so many more stories. I'm just kidding. (laughs) Well, we'll have to have you back. Yes, please. Please. Before Mickey's next birthday, though. Yeah, okay. For sure. (laughs) I can't believe we met the voice of Mickey Mouse. I know. I already framed that picture, by the way, that he drew and signed. Oh, that was so sweet. I know. He's the best. What a talented guy. Well, thanks again for listening to D23 Inside Disney. Don't forget to like and share this episode wherever you listen or subscribe. And don't forget for all the latest Disney news, check out D23.com. We'll be back next week with more Disney news and a fantastic guest on an all-new episode of D23 Inside Inside Disney. Disney.